In the comedy podcasting system, the listeners are represented by two separate yet equally important groups, the artists who make bad music and the sad, lonely podcasters who prosecute the offenders. These are their stories. A dissection is imperative. That's right, Nick. I'm laying down the law for this episode. I am in the I am the law. I am the law for this episode, Nick. And uh-huh. Something about law, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Welcome to the Song Tops Report where we dissect bad bizarre. Yeah, that's how I'm doing it. This this is how it is. That's, this is how it is. Today. Steve, you stuck that landing like you flew it into the Hudson. <laughs> And speaking of law, welcome to the Song Tops Report, where we dissect bad, bizarre, or otherwise noteworthy music and figure out how it died. I am your justicar, your justifier, your only only source of justice in this world, Steve Trollinger. Um, I am your just visiting, Nick Brigadier. And I am your previous defendant, Mike Russell. Previous defendant? Yeah. Yeah, the state of the city of Albany versus Mike Russell, isn't that a thing? Like, I don't know if they. Actually, it I think as a matter <laughs> of record, that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, today we're going to be. It's not quite a day at the movies, because we're not at the movies. We're actually uh, in front of the TV. It's a day in front of the TV, aka every day for the last year and a half. You got that, listeners? But what we are going to talk about, yeah, got it. For those, uh, for those who are frequent viewers of one of my favorite shows uh, uh last week tonight with john oliver uh today's topic might be a little bit familiar to you i was hoping to have this be a little bit more in zeitgeist but ironically uh <laughs> we had to skip a week due to police interference you know, um my bad guys my bad listen i was <laughs> i was very stressed after my encounter with the police and i I needed a day to drink away the memory of it. Well, Mike, maybe if you stopped being a hitman for hire, the cops would leave you alone more often. With these current rates, though, Nick, I mean, the crypto is going through the roof, and again, paid on Bitcoin on the dark web is the way to make some coin. No, but for real, Mike, uh, <laughs> Mike jumped a turnstile the one time there were actually cops there. And oh, uh, I tried to pay. I tried, to, tried pay to pay with two different cards and ten different swipes. Okay. And then three people jumping next to me. What do you say? I had a bone ball, a duffel bag, a backpack, and then I had been on the road all day. I was tired. I was tired. Two police uh, officers. Two but, <laughs> but Mike did not go to prison this time, so we are all thankful for that, of course. Uh, and in fact, his, his emotional state was such that one of the policemen off, uh, almost cried themselves, worried about their personal safety, I guess. <laughs> I was screaming at them about the two cards not working. On the you are machine. very tall. And I was, I was about six inches taller than one of the police. Although, I listen, not, hey, I'm sure he could have whooped my ass. Look, these guys are trained. But, Mike, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to say it up front. I think it was their attitudes towards an otherwise ideal law-abiding citizen. I think that's the reason why the show that we're going to be talking about only lasted, what, like 12 episodes? 11 episodes. Yeah. You gave it too much credit. Uh, oh, they so, didn't even get the nice dozen there. No? Yeah. So for, for people who are unfamiliar with television as a whole, one of TV's favorite go-to topics is are cops. Anything having to do with cops. Police procedurals, they're a dime a dozen. There's Law and Order, there's Hill Street Blues, NYPD Blue, Blue Bloods, Blue Bitty Blue 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 Blue. Love that one. There's there's a blue there's blue a little bit of blue in everything. And it's one of TV's favorite go-to topics to the point where it's a little hard to get anything original out of the concept. But in the early 90s, one one uh, producer creator with a can-do attitude decided that he had something new and interesting to say about the police procedural. And the only thing he could think to add was the one thing that's always been missing from our gritty cop dramas, which is musical numbers. Hit it. Could see it in his eye. He did the crime and now 
So we are talking only about only eleven episodes. Only eleven episodes of a show I don't think I've actually said the name of yet. Cop Rock. Cop. Um, okay, so Cop Rock. Okay, so, no, sorry. Honestly, the Zoom got a little <laughs> staticky there. Let's say this isn't Motley Crew. <laughs> no, Cop Rock. Which, as I mentioned above, uh, if anyone had seen a recent episode of uh, John Oliver's show, he used to make a point about, in his case, the propensity of police. SWAT teams to essentially raid everybody's house with little or no provocation. But the problem, and the problem that uh, John Oliver brought up in his episode was that there wasn't enough, there's not enough musicality to being SWATed, evidently. Um, And I watched that episode, which inspired me to do my own research, which they did about enough for about three minutes worth. I did a copious amount of research on this television program, way more than they did, and we're going to talk about it here today. Uh, The Police procedural musical drama co-created by Stephen Bochco and William Finkelstein. Uh, and Stephen Bochco, I should mention, is was a uh, developer of shows like Hill Street Blues, L.A. Law, NYPD Blue, and Doogie Howser, M.D., the <laughs> creator of all those shows. Yo, so this guy's got real talent here. Yeah. He, he, knows, uh, he, he knows what people are going to put their eyeballs on. He began his career as a story editor in the 70s on shows like Columbo and Ironside before creating his breakout show, Hill Street Blues, in 1981. In 86, he moved to 20th Century Fox and co-created the show L.A. Law, which was also a big success. And that show's success would lead him to signing a 10-series contract with ABC. ABC gave him the opportunity to do 10 different television series. Wow. That's how, like, successful his first three ventures were. It was like, this guy can do no wrong. He's got the Midas touch. And he almost convinced them that was the case because the next show he came up with was Doogie Howser, M.D., another wildly successful hit. Um, Just killing it. And, and that's where the string of successes ended. Uh, with the creation of Cop Rock. <laughs> At the time, there was a rising popularity in dramedy shows, TV shows that seamlessly combined elements of both comedy and drama. Now, as any good uh, dramaturg might tell you, this is a difficult balance to pull off in and of itself. But Cop Rock added the additional untenable layer of Broadway-style song and dance numbers. That is 100% the right (laughs) adjective, Steve. It's untenable. You cannot have a dramedy and then make it a musical and have the subject matter be about cops. Although I really hope, if there's any show that's due for a revival in today's climate, I really think that Cop Rock is the one. I mean, I'll get to it. I'll get to a little bit later, but there is a whole host of people who look back on this show now and go, well, the problem was it was too ahead of its time. It was like 30 years too early. Although nowadays it, was, nowadays it would have to be called Cop Trap, probably, which makes it sound like probably a different show. It's about people surprising cops. <laughs> and, get, and getting shot. Yes. Like, <laughs> no, trap music. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the uh, the show was a the show was inflicted with wildly different and conflicting tones, as one would expect. Um, It focuses on the LAPD, always a great place to start. Um, And I should mention this show came out in 1990, a full year before the Rodney King riots. This this was before the riots. This was before the riots. Oh, my God. You know, that's maybe the only good thing that happened about this show. Could you imagine if they had already filmed all these episodes and then there was the Rodney King video, and then they still had to release Cop Rock after. There was, there was actually. I'm not going to play it today, but there was a the very first musical number you see is actually the very first event that happens in the show. The show opens with the LAPD coming down on a crack house because again, this was the 90s, so everything was a crack house. That was that was the only drug that people were making, and uh, so they were they. Were Busting into this crack house, and this crack house was populated almost entirely by African-American actors. Uh, So there was that. Um, And as the police were herding the uh, predominantly African-American crack house characters out of the house, 
the uh, drug dealers broke into song about how the cops were never going to get anything to stick and they were going to be back on the streets in 24 hours. So it was a song and dance number, but about like you're supposed to be feeling bad for the cops because, oh, shucks, we're never going to get these drug dealers in prison for longer than 24 hours. And they know it. And they're singing a funky rap song about it. And then one of the <laughs> cops, one of the cops turns around and shoots one of the drug dealers in the back at point blank range. That's the tonality oh we're talking about God. here. Ah, That's these... the first. That's the first five minutes of the first episode of the show. Blasts him in the back and then sings a sad song about being the victim. Is that what you're, is that what you're telling me, Steve? Is that, is that Strike that. Reverse it. The the drug dealers are speak were singing a boastful song about how they'll never get to go to prison, and then the the like token crooked cop is the one who ended up shooting a suspect in the back as he walked away. Ah. And I'll get into the characters as we listen to this a little bit more. Uh, but uh, the show focused on the LAPD, like I said, features an ensemble cast who perform dramatic police procedural scenes that then transition to choreographed musical numbers. The music supervisor on the series was Mike Post, who had previously been responsible for a number of TV theme songs, including The A-Team, The Greatest American Hero, Blossom, Magnum P.I., News Radio, and my personal favorite, the theme to Quantum Leap. Uh, He is also responsible for creating both the Law & Order theme and its distinguishable dun-dun effect, which is copyrighted to him, so that's why I couldn't play it at the top of the episode. Um... God, you think and, he, you think he's making a fortune off that, or do you think he uh, he kind of got screwed? I'm pretty sure he gets some nice residuals from the sheer quantity, at least. Because everybody knows what that means. Like they hear it and they just go, "Oh!" They they start they start playing the song from Law and Order in their head. Could you imagine after years of doing this podcast and playing different artists' music, if that was the thing we ended up getting sued for? <laughs> yeah. Dun dun <laughs> dun dun. Damn it, uh, Nick. You'll like this. Uh, another incongruous element of the series were the punny episode titles. Uh, titles Such like episode as. four's titles like episode four's a three corpse meal. <laughs> episode five's the cocaine mutiny. Episode seven's copophiliac. That one's a little and lazy. episode ten's no noose is good noose. Oh. <laughs> I might have to take it all back, Steve. I think this needed like another season. Really needed to flesh out, flesh this out a little bit better. No news is good, Jesus. But uh, I mean, it's funny and it's true. You know, it really makes you uh, think. It's and and that that's funny because the the pun is related to the that's like towards the end of the series, and that's like the crooked cop who shoots that suspect in the back in episode one has a whole season-long theme where, like, they deal with police brutality against African-American people, set to music, of course, and uh, he goes on trial, and he's maybe going to get the death penalty, but maybe not, uh, and that's why it's called No News is Good News, because he ends up getting off scot-free. Uh, oh, and so, what's, the, what's the basic, uh, how, the, how does the, they, they make the audience want to feel about that? Are we, are, we, are we feeling for this crooked cop? Are we? Wait, Steve, <laughs> in this instance, is the audience supposed to be like, hang in there? Nick, Nick, I think I might have to tell you, I don't know if you can keep that one. <laughs> um, but Jesus the little bit, Just a little gallows humor for you. <laughs> Uh, shut up, Nick. That's too literal to be a pun. <laughs> it's literally called gallows humor. Um, so the little bit I played up top, <laughs> the little bit I played up top is uh, a song called, and I should mention, by the way, that um, the show won an Emmy. No, what? Uh, actually, it kind of did. Um so aside oh, from no. the theme song, which we'll discuss in a second, I could not find verification as to the song titles of any of the show's songs because they didn't actually get that far. There's to, no like, official soundtrack that's got like the titles. There's no official soundtrack and there's no official song titles. So oh, all of this God. is just like con- all this is conjecture. Conjecture. So like the the bit I played at the top was the song "He's Guilty." Takes place in a courtroom scene. You've got everyone. You've got the the foreman comes in and the judge asks him to read. You know the the what the what the jury has come to very dramatic scene and that's when you get this sort of jaunty gospel-esque musical number and if you think it sounds familiar it's because the entire all every song from the first episode was musically 
uh, crafted by one Randy Newman. What? If you're if you're wondering why it sounds like this. I can see Newman on the piano right now. I can't any more Randy Newman-esque any sort of piano anything. Like, you you play a piano like that, and you transform into Randy Newman. It doesn't matter who you are. Like, you physically and verbally transform into him. But in addition to the first uh, five songs from the first episode, he also composed and performs the title track for the show called Under the Gun. Oh, all right. Can we can we get it? I, what? He, he said a lot of stuff, but does that have anything to do with being a cop? It absolutely does not, Mike. He said, days of sunshine, tears of rain, precious memories of years gone by, eyes of darkness, feeling pain all the time that we had. This is this is a like a this is about a love song. I could imagine this right now where I'm just laying in bed, like that that would come on, you're just thinking of you know, ooh, the 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 one that left you, you know? Like and it's called Under the Gun? It's called Under the Gun. Does it because does a, gun, does a, does a gun come involved? Like in the, the gun course? is a metaphor. <laughs> the the gun is the, a metaphor for the friends you made along the way, Mike. The, the gun, dude. This, I mean, if, it's, if, if this person sounds real sad about something, they're about to blow their brains out, man. I, I don't know. Like, well, I don't know. I, I think Randy sounds happy. What, Mike? Well, he always sounds happy. <laughs> He's Randy Newman. I don't know. You judge for me. You you judge for me. Okay, do what has to be done living under the gun. That could either doing, apply doing what has to be done. Uh, I, I think, think this song's think, great. You know, uh, I really I could see yeah. this making its way onto like, you know, the kind of playlist you put on when you when you have your significant other over and the lights are low. Basically I'm saying this is baby making so music. All that's left is a photograph. What's he say after that? Uh, he says, all that's left is a photograph, someone's golden moment in the sun, doing what had to be done, living under the gun. Sorry, Steve, I, I missed that. Could you, say, could you say those lyrics exactly the same way one more time? Yeah, yeah. When all that's left is a photograph, someone's golden moment in the sun, doing what had to be done, living under the gun. Ah, yes, thank you very much. By the way, so Mike, what, there what are no lyrics. Even? There are no lyrics. This is me figuring out what the lyrics were like line by line oh steve oh i am proud of you i because i (laughs) being able to understand randy newman all the time is not (laughs) randy newman is my second language i am the randy whisperer (laughs) so what do you think that means what's this photograph in these golden moments and then all of a sudden he's talking about living under the gun like the idea is, is under the gun where like what were you saying, Nick? It's, um... I, well, I think the song is actually about East Berlin, um, when you think about it, because I think the photograph could be a memory of when you saw your family before the Berlin Wall was built, and then uh, under communist regime, you were probably living under the gun. So uh, I think that Randy Newman was channeling that when he wrote the theme for Cop Rock. I mean, look, if this is all we have to go on, that's, that's what the lyrics are screaming to me. I, I mean, they're certainly screaming. Um, <laughs> Living into the gun. <laughs> I've never heard somebody scream so. Like I've never heard somebody scream, but also not be perfectly clear. Like if you're screaming, if you're screaming, you're usually pretty. You, you have a lot of clarity you to your voice because you're trying to get I, something across. I would argue screaming is the most incoherent way of communicating. Well, I like don't if know. You're tra- if you're if you're yelling help, you're not yelling. Hip. Well, if you're Randy Newman, you are. Now, guys, that's they, how tell he you, says it. they tell you not to yell help anymore. You're supposed to yell fire because nobody helps anyone yelling help. Have you noticed Mike, this? I'd help you if you yelled help. 
What, Nick, you wouldn't be a little concerned about what I needed help with? Okay, Mike, you specifically, <laughs> yes. Because if, Mike, you needed help, I knew something. Mike, usually you can handle most situations yourself. So if you specifically are screaming help, Mike, I hate to say it, and I hate to admit it on the podcast, I'd pr- I would probably run in the opposite direction. Nick, that's why I yell fire. So you, you so I'll run me. to you with water at least. Yes. I'm not going to run towards the person yelling fire. They're probably where the fire is. <laughs> nobody's standing like uh, nobody's standing like three blocks away, pointing and shouting fire. Listeners, what would you yell to get someone's attention? Contact oh. us at songtopsreport at gmail.com. Oh, Nick, you stole it from me. That's oh, that's going to be a good one. <laughs> that's now, guys, I'm going to be I'm going to be a bit of a. I'm going to be a bit of a warden here when it comes to the chatter. Ooh, we got a lot to get through. That's so true. I'm going to. God, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm living lay, under the I'm, gun with you as the. Yeah. I, I'm laying down the law. We're going to move on to because it's a little bit left to go in the theme. So, uh, Steve, are these um, are all of these various actors we're seeing smiling in this recording studio that we're seeing Randy Newman performing in? Are these the actors in Cop Rock? I'm assuming they sure are, Nick. So Just the music video smiling wa- and shimming along. Yeah. yeah, the uh, this was also the the video we're watching is also the actual opening credits. Like this was what you would see at the beginning of every episode. I fear. Uh, and for those who aren't watching along, it is Randy Newman in a studio playing the theme song to Cop Rock while the various actors who star in Cop Rock f- slowly file into the studio to like rock out with them and hear him hear him jam. What a great concept. It definitely doesn't smack of, oh crap, I didn't think this through. <laughs> yeah. That's the subtitle for Cop Rock. Ha! <laughs> This is so awkward to watch. It has the same energy of like an award ceremony in COVID times where they just kind of cut to someone's Zoom camera when they're not really doing anything and they don't know what to be looking at. We're just cutting to all these various actors while Randy Newman sings lyrics that don't have anything to do with the theme. And it, it seems like they're like, I don't know, out of character. Like everyone's just like, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I, you see, They people, are. They are out of character. Yeah. And they're just like mouthing along stuff, but not the lyrics. So it's like they're having a conversation while Randy Newman is talking. It's very... Very early 90s. I swear one of those guys just finished eating off the crafty. You know, he's like just in the middle, lounging back in this chair, <laughs> talking to the guy. That, ah, oh, yeah, man. He didn't they, even they, know they were filming the intro. They, they brought the good cream cheese today, man. Um, that was... But that uh, that was that was that was the intro. We haven't even gotten to the cops singing yet. So in uh, we're going to go. Wait, uh, Randy Newman doesn't episode. play a cop in this show. I'm out. He does not show up as a cop. Now you have to arrest. <laughs> you have the right to remain. You have the right to remain silent. Just where'd that piano? Where'd that electron piano come from? You got a friend in prison. <laughs> Anything you say and do can be used against you. Um. So episode two, uh, we are. And I'm not going to get into. Look, I didn't want to watch the fucking show. I'm sorry. I did the you, best you I didn't? could. I did the best I could. I didn't want to spend money to get the fucking 11 episode DVD delivered to my house in two days so that I could watch the whole fucking show and comment on every character and every arc. We don't have time for it, and I don't care. And All literally, no know, one else listening has actually seen this show. So exactly. In this scene, episode two, we have uh, a. Uh, we're having a, a classic TV cop lineup where you've got the usual suspects lined up uh, in front of the victim. In this case, a uh, housekeeper who was uh, robbed at gunpoint, and the cops are putting the usual suspects in line. And as you'll notice, the usual suspects all have a very specific trait in common. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh! Yeah, 
<laughs> all right. Oh, uh, I, I, I get it, Steve. The common trait is they're all amazing dancers. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's it. Here's the thing about this show. We brought it up a little bit before. The whole, like, this came out a year before the Rodney King riots. Uh, we are still, to this day, dealing with the same sort of police profiling, sort of, you know, certain racial profiling in how cops treat certain people. And we just it's just not fun and musical anymore. But was it fun and musical back then? It shouldn't have been. But we are having to look back at this in the with our 2021 lenses on and have to remember that this was even for the early 90s before the riots in L.A. still tonally deaf. Well, yeah, like, I got to I got to ask a question. I got to Nick, you might have to take this off. This is an innocent question, I think, you know, I've uh, if you if someone is a witness to a crime and they describe the person who committed the crime then don't you have to find this, like people who I, physically I, resemble that? Like, I, I, yeah. I'm just saying that they no longer have the benefit of that doubt. You're giving you, you, in in that scenario, while it makes logical sense when you say it like that, they don't have the benefit of that doubt anymore because they take advantage of it too much. Like, the, the, here's the thing. Let's go back to the show. This okay. show. Okay. This we, show can, we can ignore Mike. I just. I, 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 no one's you're back. saying. Uh, uh, I think valid question. This show would often tackle the sort of racial profiling, racial policing issues that plague us still today, along with other difficult to talk about subjects. And at the same time, though, it was pretty forward thinking, though it did do that forward thinking while still trafficking in the same sort of stereotyping prevalent in TV at that time. And the problem with both of these is that they would try to address it all in song, which, as we see here just kind of like puts a like every person in this episode uh that is hispanic is either a criminal gangbanger or a housekeeper i should say that right up front every every single one in the show what if one uh, of them is, was a criminal housekeeper there is one there is one character who's a cop whose last name is compost but he is super white uh, so i don't know how that works if he's super white it's actually pronounced compost yes <laughs> but basically you are you got this song. The song, uh, the YouTube video says "Lament of the Lineup Guys," uh, which is a, a great name. I really wish. But that a was different, a different video. I saw a different like person who put this video up called it. Uh, uh, what did he call it here? Um, We're the local color, oh. because as the lyrics will suggest, uh, well, you'll see. This is the weirdest Duolingo class that I've ever seen on my phone. We're the local color with the copper tone skin. Sorry, Steve. I can just imagine you, because the song's a little bit of an earworm. I'm just imagining you on the subway as you've been researching for this episode on the train, just kind of mouthing along and rocking out to this. Where the, the song we do the at the end of the episode is the song that is the earworm song that has been stuck in my head for three weeks now. Oh, no. And it is the worst one to get stuck in your head. Oh, I can't wait to hear that one. So <laughs> now that we've now that we've addressed and we'll, we got to get to that. So now that we've addressed uh, racial profiling and song, uh, let's Which address. Politi- I never thought would be a sentence we'd be saying on the podcast. <laughs> let's, Not uh, since actually I'm a racist, at least. <laughs> Uh, oh, by the way, I should mention, according to an interview in the DVD features, the lead actress, Ann Bobby, uh, who played Officer Quinn, uh, said the live vocals on the set were later overdubbed with more stereotypical, quote, Latino-accented voices. <laughs> so were they like, wear the local color with the copper-toned skin? 
Yeah, they. I. I would. I. I would prefer to think that they just refuse to say the shit that these white people wrote for them, where they're like, "Okay, every fifth word can't be Spanish. That's not how we speak." <laughs> we want. Yeah, we come on. They want a little Spanglish going on here, Steve. Is that what they're looking for? Like, but seriously, could you imagine? You're a local actor in L.A. You've been honing your craft. You maybe you know have been doing some musicals, and you get cast in a show <laughs> where you're on a police line rapping about being the local color like that that would probably be a you're probably wondering how i got here moment in your own biography except they would say like you're probably wondering how i got a key (laughs) yeah (laughs) if it was written by the people who wrote this episode yes um we're gonna we're gonna move on to another thorny issue prostitution (laughs) Um, More like a horny issue. <laughs> no, come on now. I set him up for that. I got I could I deserve some credit for that. Okay. okay yes, Steve. Steve, nice, nice lob. Nice lob. That was that was like T ball. It wasn't even a lob. <laughs> it's just all right, Nick. Hit the freaking ball. Let's go. But yes, yeah, very serious issue. Serious issue. Prostitution. Very contentious issue. A lot of, you know, like, uh, you know, is it is it right? Is it wrong? Is it a moral thing? Is it a is it a business thing? Should we let, you know, this these, business... These male gigolos are not getting the respect they deserve out there. I feel like they're getting pinpointed. Um, this is also going to this also going to dip a bit into kink shaming, guys. Oh, no. Uh, We've said many times, in all honesty, on the Song Tops report that we do not kink shame. So we're going to yes, have to stick to our principles here. Freak do we, flags should, flying, kink, kink, kink. Go for it. As but long would as it everyone's be better, having a good time. It's supposed would it be, to be better, fun, right? Would it be better to kink shame in song? I'm no criminal and I'm no saint. Sometimes I even park in the yellow paint. But all I wanted from those nights young girls was some tenderness some tenderness I pay my taxes I go to church so this guy he's got into trouble for so a little bit of background The one of the main sort of plot lines of the show is a love triangle of sorts between two officers who are partners they fall in love the uh, the uh, the woman in question is married to a different police officer who's older and she's sort of out of his league. I, I don't know how it happened, but you know that's Ooh, she, uh, okay. so like her her and her and uh, um, uh, officers Quinn and Campo I mentioned before. So uh, Quinn is the woman, Campo the guy. Uh, so they get separated due to this sort of tension between them because they fell in love. And uh, so Campo gets a series of new partners, and in episode 10, uh, he gets a new female partner, a very attractive female partner, who uh, goes undercover in a prostitution sting and nabs this gentleman, uh, who is currently cuffed to the bench in the station house, uh, lamenting about... Uh, not why not he's the being... thing he wanted be, to be cuffed to. No, yeah, exactly. He's a little more comfortable, you know? He Maybe wants a to know king why size. he's being... He wants to know why he's being picked on and not in the way he likes. He wants to know why it's... Well, because he's, you know, he's in a nice suit. He looks, I don't know, very... I was going to say Wall Street-ish, but I guess this was L.A. But, uh, yeah, he seems he seems pretty sad. He, he just, like, he just needs he just needs that he, the warmth of human comfort. And he just... This is how he gets it. And I don't know why they're coming down on him. And he wants to know why they're coming down on him. He pays his taxes. <laughs> yeah, he, this he is not part- what I meant when I said come down on me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I pray for a breakthrough in medical research. I just wanted someone to help me to share some tenderness. Tenderness. I got a question for you guys. This makes me think. You know, we are we are in a we are we're in a movement right now. There's a big movement, and it's uh, it's being uh, you know pro. For uh, pro sex workers, you know these these people out there doing the best they can, and and you know finding a way to make money and and providing a service that people are asking for, and they you know then they, they get shamed a bit, 
uh, and they're and, and when they're mistreated and you know get fucked around with by by people that are abusing them, it's like it, it's uh, it, it becomes a real serious issue. And and then they got the cops that will arrest them if they're doing it. But then I wonder, like, uh, does that does that mean is there? Why well, the song might change? I don't know what what's going on with this guy, but. You know, uh, you got the sex workers, and then you got the people that are asking for the service, because uh, they uh, they're getting the arrested. Johns, if you will, the Johns, the Johns of the well. Hey, listen, I know there are some Janes out there too who enjoy a little uh, S S W action. Um, that's so very like, that's very equanimous of you, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> so. This guy's getting arrested, and he's also getting shamed, and and that is this also providing to the toxic nature of this guy may be, you know, he's uh, taking takes care of the ladies that be taking care of him. Um, so are, are we supposed? Are you? Are we feeling for this man? I mean, I, we are, but I. Will I, we continue after you continue well, the song, though, Steve? I have this. <laughs> I I I mean it seems like that's the wrong uh that's the wrong phrase to use to describe that. I feel like even if it's hit, that's probably not very comfortable. Oh my god. Oh wow. watch your fist on my balls there, please. Jesus. Uh, oh, and who's I, to, I, what and, and Mike, who's to say that lend a helping hand refers to that particular sexual act? You know, listen, Steve. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be too proud to say I haven't had a finger or two venture uh, into the nether region of the behind there. Uh, I love how Mike is giving us way more information than this song. <laughs> if he listened to the rest of it, would actually talk him into saying. From here on out, nether region of the behind is the only way you can say ass. <laughs> I call mine the nether realm. Mike, before you say anything more incriminating. Let me just let me well, just play a little bit more of the song. I was just gonna say, you know, that sounded suspiciously close to kink shaming right there, Steve. You know, for you saying that about Mike, that makes me question what's up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in to Dabber Delver Productions' newest podcast, What's Up Your Ass, an interview show with Where we review sex toys. <laughs> Where we review sex toys. <laughs> figure out figure out how they work. Anything's a sex toy if you're brave enough. That's all I'm saying. What if I like stiletto heels running up and down my back? Or some large lady with a heart of gold to tie me up and make me do just exactly what I'm told? I need to be punished by. Fuck yeah! Um, if this were this would be the act one show stopping number. If this were on Broadway, <laughs> was this guy just an extra? Like, does this guy? Yeah. Holy wanna, shit! He's doing the best up. song. I wanted to bring this up. Uh, a big pro- a big problem a lot of people had with the show in question uh, was the fact that they often gave most of the songs to like the guest star or the co-star in the episode like the actual main cast like maybe one of them would get a song every episode but it was like a big cast so it was like one cast member gets a song and then all the co-stars and guest stars sing like these types of numbers um and people thought like well gosh you know like why why give all of your best numbers to the people that are only there for like a scene uh, which well, uh, if they can you know, all run away with it as much as this guy can, then I think that was a wise decision. I don't know if this is so much kink shaming, uh, so much as uh, a, a sympathetic character 
trying to destigmatize this it, loudly in, a, in an entire precinct full of cops. <laughs> While everybody in the precinct is stopping to watch him sing. Oh, yes. So Everyone it's breaking the fourth him. wall. It's breaking the fourth wall completely. This guy is singing. And everyone knows he's singing. It's not like a, he's singing in an aside to himself. Everyone knows it, except for the 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 undercover policewoman who he's singing it to, yeah. who was the one who arrested him. She's ignoring the shit out of him. Yeah. Oh, that's just what he likes, too. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it sounds like. I'm going to sing a heartfelt, could-be-on-Broadway number, pouring my heart and all my kinks out for the world and for Precinct to hear. For all these strangers talking about just how wonderful you are. Ah, and yeah, don't look at me. Don't look at me, <laughs> dude. But I'm with you, Nick. I think uh, the destigmatization that he's uh, or whatever uh, is trying to do there. But what and the cops, do you think they're feeling for him or like, ah, sorry, buddy. Or do you think That's in, just the way the law is. Do you think in the early Go 90s... Go to the voting booth if you don't like it. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, you're a felon now. I guess you're not going to be able to vote. It's America for you, folks. Do you think in the early 90s, this was supposed to be... The the audience was supposed to react more like, wow, he's sure a weird character that we should be giving our derision towards? Or was this supposed to be heartfelt? I don't know. This is where I need like a cultural anthropologist. I mean, I feel like... I feel like I they went when to Central. <laughs> oh, thanks, Nick. Thanks for making me feel old again. Um, <laughs> I I think the tell is they went to Central Casting and found a guy who singing this. Like they found a guy who, if you gave the song to a different sort of person with a different appearance, they might, or singing style. Like if you go back and watch how this guy is actually performing it you might have been able to read into it that it's supposed to be like some sort of weird social commentary. But no, the guy they got screams, this guy's a weirdo. Shame yeah, him. It's it's because of this. Like he, because he's, like, he's like... He gets the big frown face and his his face does get all like <laughs> fucking yeah. weird looking. It's yeah. really, really, it's basically... I just want love! <laughs> Somebody love me! <laughs> I love you. What? That's an image that's going to haunt me until the day I die. Uh, yeah, he's really giving off um, Jennifer Hudson from Dreamgirls vibes. Like, that's the kind of impassioned performance. Uh, yeah, it's like, and you, and you, I want you to fuck me. <laughs> Essentially. Uh, so, for our final number... Um, the title of this. I there is a there's a plot line. <laughs> there's a plot line that goes through the first several episodes. And this is what this is. If you watch John Oliver, you already know what we're going to talk about. Uh, this is this is a plot line that went through the first several episodes of this show. There was a a single a desperate single mother who was a drug addict. She was in the aforementioned crack house at the at the first episode, um, and she was in the house with with the baby. Um, and she's a drug addict. Her name's Patty. In episode one, she sells the baby for drug money. And she has a musical number singing about how she's going to sell her baby, which I didn't pick for this episode. Maybe we'll do a sequel. I don't know. But uh, oh, shit, man. That's... a one subject that we have not musically touched upon yet. We've got prostitution. We've got kinks. we got got... Uh, Racial profiling, but you know what really hits the spot when you put it to song? Child trafficking. The goods being children. Yes, the goods being children. You know, you know, this, this, it's always got to be the rich white people buying kids. Uh, that, I'm glad you brought that up, Mike. The two characters that we're looking at here uh, are actually the, 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 the police officers I mentioned before who fall in love. Uh, officer, uh, they're, they're doing a sting here, officers Quinn and Campo. Um, 
the <clears throat> the gentleman uh, who's singing the song goes by the name of Glenn, or he has a different title, which you'll hear in a second. Uh, he runs a black market for wealthy, childless couples uh, because, you know, I guess when you're a wealthy, childless couple, the thing that's really hard to do is find a child that you have to go to the black market. It's not like there's orphanages. Or, or adopt, yeah. <clears throat> or, or any other agencies. option. Full of completely legal children to have. No, you got to go to the black market for that shit. There is... The song's kind of bouncy, there, though. There is a very dark undertone for that, though. Because like you're saying, Steve, there's no reason why these people couldn't go to a exactly. orphanage. Or no, but yeah, if we want children, afford, but, but no like, paperwork. Uh, yeah. Uh, can we get, I'm going to need about five more kids. I know I was... Like, oh, oh, from a straight like business sense, like not even the morality of it from like the the business model is not workable. This business model is not workable. Like I'm going to find children and sell it to rich people who don't want to use any of the other available methods of acquiring said children. Like how it's, his profit margins have to be very thin. I, I maybe he has a great return policy. <laughs> And see, that's the biggest problem with putting this shit to music is that it makes us it makes it so much easier to joke about <laughs> child trafficking. <laughs> eh, this kid's a little asshole. Can, you, can I get a different one? They don't let me do that at the orphanage. I'm rich enough to to be able to. No returns, only exchanges. Sorry. Uh, but this is the song that uh, this is the song that has, as uh, Nick mentioned earlier, this is the earworm that ha- I have caught myself singing out loud. <laughs> Thankfully, this I don't. Is, this is the one that gets stuck in your. Head. This is the one that gets stuck. That's gotten stuck in my head. Thankfully, I've been inside for most of the time. It's been stuck in my head, so it's not like I can, I can offend or horrify anyone other than my wife. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but you'll. This is why it's stuck in my head. The song is awful. Sing it out loud at work without context. Oh, but it's catchy. Fuck. And what a title to give yourself. I, I'll tell it's, you. it's a weird Shakespearean, like, the merchant of babies. <laughs> like, it's a weird Shakespearean riff. This is the kind of merchant that only accepts cryptocurrency, I think. <laughs> yes, if they remade this, he would. There, there'd be a new lyric added, Dogecoin only. <laughs> I'm the baby merchant. Tots are us. It's so sad that that went out of business last year. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. That was babies are us. Never are mind. Us. Yeah. See, yeah, he couldn't be the tots merchant. Babies are us, because then babies are us probably would have sued. Yeah, that was his big. That was his big problem. That was the conundrum he faced the- early in his career. Yes, LLCs are a bitch. Especially when you're getting into the baby merchant industry. <laughs> you know, I think uh, this guy had a real problem with the how uh, medical technology has taken off and people can start kind of making the babies any way they want. And he's like, man, I, I have to keep stealing these kids. And you know, you know how hard it is to find a kid with blue eyes and red hair? That's what all these rich parents want for some reason. <laughs> Uh, it also, if this were contemporary, I can just imagine his LinkedIn profile where it says baby merchant and then the description are just the lyrics to this song. You got a network. (laughs) But the profit margins. I can't get the profit (laughs) margins, Nick. What are you talking about? Step one, find a baby. Step two, steal it. Step three, profit. It's pretty straightforward. So here's the thing. But here's the thing. Here's the the context of the episode, right? So when the drug drug addict mother sells the child, she sells it for like $200, right? And he's selling it to this couple... He's selling it to this couple for eleven thousand, and this is nineteen nineties yeah. money. Eleven thousand dollars. So, how many drug addicted parents are you finding to sell to buy the child for such a pittance, so that you can then jack up the price five hundred percent at ten grand or above? What he's doing like, is actually a perfect metaphor for pharmaceutical companies as well. Uh, but that being said, 
I, I think you're supposed to assume, and once again, I, I, I'm not the most well-versed on L.A. in the 90s, that there was so much rampant drug use that there were just countless people willing to sell their babies for a pittance, as you said, uh, that then the baby merchant can take advantage of. Guys, so this is a really fucked up topic, right? But uh, just... <laughs> but let's lean into say. it. <laughs> just, uh, but like... I am imagining a scenario where it doesn't take the darkest turn available and, you know, it's sad and it's Thank fucked you. up. Yeah. But, but but let's, let's, but in a, on, a, on a bright, weird, I imagine, okay, let's assume one of these, uh, one of these kids gets sold to some rich parents, right? And, um, uh, but they, they grow up and uh, things will go well and they're, they're talking about their story and they go, ah, you know what? My parents paid five hundred thousand dollars for me, cause you know I'm a, I got a lot of worth, I guess. I feel pretty good about that. How much did your parents pay for you? Oh, oh, they they made you the old fashioned way. Well, my parents had know, sex. I, it looks like uh, you know my kind of net worth, buddy. Like <laughs> just like a really, really um pro. Um, yes, this entitled, but Mike, entitled drug baby that got bought for a half a million dollars. Who's like, eh, you guys, you guys are below me. You know, I, lo- I like how in your scenario, Mike, the, the operative word for the child conceived normally is free as opposed to priceless. Like, I feel like the parents of that child would probably not actually be able to put a price on the child because the child should theoretically not have any price to begin with because <laughs> yeah. it's a human child. Just state once Steve, again, this is a- Steve. You're never going to be a baby merchant with that attitude. Well, maybe the baby merchant here can give me some can give me some pro tips. Hold on. not wrong eleven thousand dollars for a human life and that's a great turnaround time he's you give him a week or that's, two you know, he said a week or two <laughs> or two week or two you know, some sometimes time. yeah sometimes supply lines can be uh you know like in in in, in our country today you know Real in, real infrastructure problems we got to deal with for the baby merchant to start making a profit again. I will say, judging just the song itself, song's a straight-up banger. However, I will say, they really skimped on the choreography. They're just kind of outdoors, and he's shimming in place and pacing yeah, around this them. is three minutes. This is three minutes of three people standing in roughly the same positions. Two of them say nothing. The other one sings about selling children. <laughs> And none of them, like the other two, just they just imagine as an acting exercise, like, okay, this person is going to sing at you for three minutes, and all you do is react to it. You don't have a part to play, but you're on camera the whole time. So, like, every the, the two cops are like, oh gosh, mm, er, consternation, mm, consternation. These, yes, basically, like, I don't know about this kind of faces for three whole minutes while he sings about baby selling. Wow. And 11 episodes only, you said? Oh, only, only 11 episodes. And this is like episode four. You know the the baby merchant. You you just know every time before he has to go meet a client with his big sale, he's in the shower and he's and he's practicing his big song. He's like, okay, I got my got my three minute window here. I really I really the deal this time. The last couple about they, they didn't like the chorus I was doing. I really I, 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 I knew I should. <laughs> feeling under the weather. He I, keeps he I, keeps he keeps like testing other ones. I'm the child seller. No, I'm the infant retailer. No, no, I'm the baby. <laughs> merchant yeah that's it that's got to ring to it oh, that, that goes well that goes off the tongue good yeah <laughs> i'm the kiddo market no that doesn't work <laughs> this was also the script writer's process as well ironically enough <laughs> he's just checking himself in the mirror like mike said it's like do i have my blue members only jacket i do all right good to go that's my that's that's a key marketing technique gotta look sharp with my blue members only jacket uh, listeners, if you want to play, if you want to just like add a little spice to your life, make this song your ringtone and go out in public and invite your <laughs> friends to call you. In of morality, I'm not concerned with any trumped up illegality. We're just one big happy family. It's a pleasure doing business the American way. I'm the baby merchant. Oh, Tots, I give you all the 
You know what I love about this guy? He knows, he knows his market. He's like, all right, you know. These fucking yuppies. Gotta bring up that that patriotism in. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, you know, I I was a I was a little on the fence with this whole baby merchant, you know, buying from the baby merchant, but he he respects the he respects the flag. He, he respects, respects the game. Those, I'll bet he doesn't kneel. He respects those stars and stripes. And you know what? Selling kids is kind of like the clearest distillation of American capitalism. So, honey, I think we gotta I think we gotta give this a shot. We gotta support this small business owner. I mean, this is a man who believes in himself and his mission fully, and him talk about his mission is the selling of children. <laughs> He's talk about pulling yourself up by the baby straps here. This is oh. nobody says that. Oh. We can't talk about it because nobody said that in the history of mankind. I think I think the baby merchant has just one more piece of advice for us. Hold <laughs> one on. More piece. Let's hear what he's got to say. You can always trust advice from a baby merchant. <laughs> it's time for the bridge, y'all. Picture yourself in your house with a new son or daughter. No one at all has to know that the parents who brought her. Uh, when the world opens up, can we try to find a karaoke track of this? <laughs> uh, it's going to be hard. Yeah. All right, now, just that this bridge, side though. of the room. I'm the baby merchant. And you hold the mic up. I can't hear you. This actor is so, he's so good. I'm, I really wish I, I really wish he like showed up again somewhere. I don't know. I've ever seen him again, but he's so nope. distinctive. Yeah. Bill Maher's cousin doesn't show up in any other episode. No, he doesn't. But he's just like, he's grooving out. He's so into the song. He's into himself. He's into what he's doing. I gotta say. But what he's doing is so terrible. I, I how, almost forget he's talking about human trafficking. I yeah. Think. How, it is impressive for an actor to find anything to ground themselves in this utterly ludicrous scenario where you are singing in public about being a baby merchant, but he, he, you know, he, he found something. He's selling this performance against all odds. These guest stars all deserve Emmys, man. At least the ones we've been seeing. These, they are knocking it out of the park with their singing performance. But they gave this one guy a three and a half minute song about being the baby merchant. He this song didn't need to be a full length musical number. It could have been half the length of this and still gotten the point across, but they devoted one of the four songs they had space for and and two of the three of the other songs in the episode are not full songs. They're like little song snippets where it's like a single verse and maybe a chorus. This is the one they gave a full three chorus and a bridge to. Steve, I disagree. I mean, I think you're right in that it didn't need to be three minutes. I think it should have been the full length of the episode. I would have been fine if it was more like an opera where for like 40 continuous minutes, he's just singing different scenarios, different specificities of what he can get for you. And... Every single minute or two throughout that 40 minutes, he goes back to the chorus. I want to hear this chorus Art thou 30 thou times. Baby merchant. Dude, it, it, I, Steve, I understand. It is a little earworm. It does get in there. And you just want to. Baby merchant. Do, 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 do. Baby merchant. No, okay. Do, so. Do, 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 no, oh, I, oh, it doesn't it, fit Nick. the meter. It's not a groove. You've ruined it. Now that you've ruined it, we can end the episode. That's the end of the episode. We've. We've discussed Wait. cop rock. Steve, before we go, you alluded to the fact that this might have won an Emmy. Or was that a load of hooey? So, cop rock's theme song, Under the Gun, written and performed by Rennie Newman, earned him a 1991 Emmy Award. He won the Emmy for the theme? He won <laughs> He won an Emmy Award for the theme song, Under the Gun. <laughs> Which had nothing, nothing to do with... Maybe that's why it won. <laughs> it's just a song. Oh my god! Just a song had the word "gun" in it. Sorry, uh, I, I, as our listeners know, I just reviewed the Emmys, or uh, excuse me, the Grammys, 
And I'm, I was just wondering, oh my god, what if they did, what if in some award show they ended up doing like a live performance of Baby Merchant? <laughs> I mean, the only time you'd see that is during the Tony Awards, and then we'd have to do a whole other, whole other translation of this material. I mean, I think this would translate pretty seamlessly to the stage. <laughs> um, but that's Cop Rock. There's... There's so much more to cop rock than just what I brought today, but you know we want to keep we want to keep it not three hours long. But uh, maybe if there's enough interest, one day we'll we'll return to the old the land of cop rock. Yeah, when it co- I, when it comes to the timing, Steve is really holding Mike and I under the gun. Baby merch. Love that you brought this to our attention. I I I want to buy this and watch the whole series now. <laughs> you feel free, Mike. You feel free to watch this whole fucking show. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> it's a sh- seriously, I'm not unironically. If they release this on vinyl, I would buy it in a heartbeat. Although I'd have oh. to buy two copies of it because I would wear out the first one from replaying Baby Merchant over and over <laughs> Baby again. Merchant. Uh, but Steve, thank you so much for the extensive research for bringing so much of this show to us. Um, I was telling Steve before the recording. I had seen the show appear uh, as a, um, I think like on a Watch Mojo list or something, and then obviously John Oliver spoke about it uh, two or three weeks ago at the time of this recording. Uh, but thank you for bringing so much more context to it because this is fantastic. This is the kind of rare mistake that doesn't happen often where people are genuinely trying to do something and are so misguided. The last time it happened, I felt like was when I saw cats. It was, but like, I was so happy it existed. Like I want there to be weird mistakes like this. Uh, they're enjoyable to me on a, on a true level, not on a snarky level. I get true enjoyment. from. Well, this is what, this is what happens when you are, when you're creatively invincible for a significant period of time, you just feel like you can get away with all sorts of stuff. And like I said, uh, uh, Stephen Bochco, the guy who created this, he had a 10-series 10, 10 deal with ABC. This was one of 10. If you get the opportunity to do 10 different TV shows, you can throw as much weird shit at the wall that you want. That's actually true. That's a good place to be, where you can be powerful enough to try copyright. <clears throat> Let's try it and see what happens. And most of the cast oh. members, if you ask them about it today, speak glowingly about it. They loved doing it. They thought it was the oh, this greatest had to show. Have been so fun to do. <laughs> yeah, song we talked topsy. about some issues. We uh, oh yeah, that got into trouble. Well, the issues issue some apologies. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, so, uh, Steve. I will say this has gotten me in the cop rock mindset now. Mike, what do you think the musical number would have been for when you were jumping the turnstile in a New York City subway station? You don't have to come up with lyrics on the spot, but I'm just trying to imagine: would it be like, would it be like a like a pop song? Would it be a would it be a rap break? What would you what would what do you think that you'd be? Oh, I think it'd be very similar to like that uh, tenderness kind of uh, ah. <laughs> that kind of vibe. You know, I'm. Is it so yeah. wrong to jump a turnstile? <laughs> <laughs> Why, well, you know, so, like uh, I, I know I'd be, I'd be pleading my case to them, real sob story about my swipers not swiping, you know, swiper no swiping, <laughs> swiper no swiping, officer. Okay, that makes it sound like it would be a reggae song. <laughs> Mike, please don't attempt reggae. I was. <laughs> <laughs> warning, warning, warning! Do not attempt reggae. Do not attempt reggae. Oh. I wish someone had told Steven Seagal that. (laughs) Ah, well, thank you again, Steve, for bringing this to our attention. And thank you, listeners, for joining us this week. You can find us on social media. Uh, You know the places. Seriously, just look up the Song Topsy Report. We're the only one on Twitter. We're the only one on Instagram. We're the only one on Facebook. We're the only one on Google. So check us out there. Follow me on my personal accounts on Twitter and Instagram. Just look for Nick Brigadier. And Mike, where can we find you? You can find me on my Instagram at MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMR.D-O-T. And, uh, yeah, like Nick said, you know, check out our stuff. Leave a leave a review. Well, we haven't had a review in a while, but or just you know, send us a nice note and we'll read about it. We'll, we'll read it on the air. Why not? We like getting emails. We like hearing from y'all. We love getting your listener-submitted uh, suggestions. Yes, thank you. And... Uh, and yeah, and uh, Nick, what was that? You, you had a good poll at the beginning there. I liked what you said. Do you remember what you uh, how would you get help? Would you yell fire? Was that yes, was, was that, that was it? it. 
<laughs> what would you yell to get the attention of someone when you need help? Yes. I'm Is under it, the gun. I'm under uh, the gun. Uh, someone save Randy. I'm under the gun. And Steve, where can we find you? Also, Steve, before you say, I already know what you're going to sign off with, and I'm okay with it. But where are where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I hate being so predictable. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Your Man Trollo. Uh, on my personal website, stephentrollinger.com. On the Dapper Devil Productions website. Uh, and on the um, small screen. And big screen if you take the commercial I did for Nathan's and put it on like a movie theater screen. Like if you have that power, do it, but otherwise small Airplay screen. that shit. Yeah, Steve, you are on as many size screens as our listeners have available TVs for. Yes, please check it out and, and I, watch I, Steve shove Kit Kat 73 hot dogs into his mouth at yeah. the same time. <laughs> it's un- incredible. In the middle of a pandemic, I volunteered to have somebody without gloves on hand me food to then eat on camera. Because I am dedicated to my craft. <laughs> Steve, you would have had no yes, trouble yes. Andy Cohen's saying hands about were clean. being a, ba- I know. a baby merchant. You would have... <clears throat> uh, but all- Not to disparage Andy Cohen. His hands were perfectly clean. <laughs> yes, he might hire you again, Steve. Uh, Hot dog eater. He eats the dogs. Bum, bum, bum. All right. <laughs> uh, I can't uh, wait till... I can't wait till this uh, imminent sign-off. Because until next week, listeners, I'm Nick Breedier. I'm Mike Russell. And thankfully, I'm not. The baby merchant, tots are us. I give you all the service and no damn fuss. We'll see you next week. Take care. Baby merchant.